Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Stories. I am so excited for today's episode. I know I probably say that every episode, but today I really am um, because we're revisiting um, a theme, I guess, that was really successful when I did this about a year ago, which first off, I mean, I just thank you for listening. I don't know if you've been here the whole time this podcast is going on, if you join maybe during one of the small breaks or whatever it might be, but um, it means so much that you're here with me now and to be able to have an episode that's based on another episode, like to even have that much content um, makes me so happy um, and to know a little bit more about what you all like and what you want to hear. So today is called Uncomfortable Conversations with Bria, but this episode is going to focus on friends and soulmates um, and kind of how they can be one and the same. The last episode was focused on race. Um, it was around the time of George Floyd's death. And there was more of a focus, unfortunately, than there is on the day-to-day on, you know, how do I recognize race? Do I recognize race? What questions do I ask? What questions do I not ask? Um, You know, what do I want to talk about? What do I not want to talk about? I was able to kind of tackle really uncomfortable conversations based on race from every angle. So some of the questions that you all had sent in and the topics you all had sent in, I was really well-versed in and I talked about a lot and answered a million times before, but a majority of them I hadn't. And I loved that. I loved the excitement of it. Um, And for that reason, I didn't answer them ahead of time for that episode. I didn't do that this time either because I wanted my response to be raw. Um, I didn't want it to be something that I had planned out or had a lot of time to think over because what makes a conversation uncomfortable is the spontaneity of it, right? It's not necessarily being exactly prepared for how you're gonna sculpt your answer to a really difficult question. So I'm really excited to focus on, on you know, to, con- to always to continue to focus on race. That's something that's gonna come up in this episode for sure. I saw one of the questions touches on that. Um, but it's really fun to expand um, and to kind of work the initial mission of the podcast and what we were focusing on before into the day-to-day now, what people are feeling now, um, and and to sprinkle a little joy in there. So I'm excited to get started. Um, but before I start, I wanted to share something that I'd written when I was, so I, I did, I copied and pasted the questions from Instagram. So I did get a peek at them, but I was like, you know, I really want people to know that I connect with what I'm about to talk about. And, you know, it's, it's not, I hate thinking that I'm giving advice, not because that's not what the podcast is and not what it's providing, but because I don't like the mindset of being in a place where I'm saying what you should do, but I do like the mindset of collective thinking and growing together. And I feel like it's a lot easier it's a lot easier to grow as someone when you have some background on their experience and whatever you're talking about, when you know that they've been through what you're talking about, um, or if they're really open about the fact that they haven't. So I wanted to start this with just something that I wrote um, ahead of time, and then we'll just go straight into the question. But I started it with a quote from Sex and the City, (laughs) and it says, maybe our girlfriends are our soulmates and guys are just people to have fun with. And I said, you know, if you're as chronically dependent on sex in the city as my friends and I are, you've heard this quote and tear up a little bit every time. In this episode, Carrie, who's the main character, is struggling with turning 35 and realizing she's not spending that day with the love of her life or any man at all. After her breakdown, Charlotte says a really sweet line and the characters and every viewer that's seen the episode takes a beat to reflect on the greatest loves of their lives. There's nothing really like friendship love. 
It's a layer of people between your family and your significant lover or lovers. They know everything about you, the pretty, the ugly, and what makes you tick, and also how to make you smile. In the same vein, nothing hurts quite like being hurt by hurt by being hurt by or hurting your friends. Drifting from a friend can cause such intense anxiety. Does he or she know how I think about them? Why don't I know how to talk to them anymore? Where do I fall in their life now that they're in a serious relationship? The list is literally unending and only gets more difficult. I've only really felt this intense pain and anxiety once. My best friend in the world, she's basically my sister, um, and I went through a rough patch when I was dating someone she couldn't connect with. I think a lot of it was rooted in her wanting someone for me that made more sense and connected to my life in a way that was empowering and positive. Like we'd always dreamed about the days when we met the guys that we were going to be with and all we could do was envision them joining our like annual gingerbread making contest and like competing against them <laughs> and that, but really just having such strong connections with each other. There's, there seems to be nothing more exciting than that. And it's something we were really longing for. Um, but this story has nothing to do with, with the him, right? It has everything to do with how it felt to know that she and I weren't on the same page about something that, that seemed at the time to be somewhat permanent. Everything came to a head when we had a petty argument about something small that had nothing to do with the actual situation. And I finally said, when we were able to have a conversation about it, that I'm upset with you because I know you don't support my relationship and that hurts me. And she was honest and said that she wanted more for me, but loved me and would change heart if that's what I needed. After we worked through that conversation, I won't get into the details, but it was a really great time for us to just like really address something that was hurting both of us for the first time. And it was the first time we couldn't say something like that right away. So a lot was pinned up. So it felt really good to get all of that out. But after we worked through the conversation, I remember I sat in my car and I was literally completely paralyzed. Like I parked at my parents' house because I was visiting home and I couldn't get out of the car for like 10 minutes. Because my best friend who had been there for and through everything was the only person in my life, including me, that would say what no one else would, even if it risked our relationship out of love for me. To take a risk like that is really, really tricky. It's a thin line. And you've got to really love someone to be willing to tell them a truth that they're ignoring at the risk of them choosing to lie over you. I almost did. But the feeling of having a conversation with her after the relationship ended was like a breath of fresh air. I apologized for assuming she was coming for me as opposed to coming to save me. And she apologized for not being more empathetic with my feelings for the guy. We ended up having a stronger relationship for it, but there was nothing quite like the fear of losing her. I say this story before jumping into questions and topics you all submitted to show that I know a tricky situation. I know what it feels like to worry for a friend and to struggle with connecting. I also know the best aspects of friendship because of the people the Lord has put in my life. A dating question crept its way into, so you know I'll have something to say to that, but it's really going to be focused on friendship and the relationships there, and I just want to say thank you again to those of you that submitted and participated in this episode. Um, you know, your questions and topics are creating a really awesome bridge for me to connect with everyone listening, so I'm excited to jump in. Awesome. So starting off with the first, it's, it's kind of a question looped into a topic, I guess, but I just want to, I didn't reword these at all. I just threw in a couple periods to make it a little bit easier to read. So I'm going to read them directly from the person and then answer. So the first one is, I would love to hear you talk about friendships at this age and more so navigating the ebbs and flows of drifting apart slash friendship falling outs. I'm biased, but I'm going through that right now. And I know personally, I'm really struggling with trying to truly forgive and let go in order to move forward and revive a friendship but it's hard because I'm stubborn and don't like to forget when something hurt me. So I guess maybe a more broad question I'd love to hear you talk about is how do you truly forgive people and move forward? Well, girl, 
you are speaking to somebody who has had to learn this from the ground up. (laughs) I never really saw myself as being someone that holds a grudge, but I do, I've, I've been told and I've learned to understand that I, the expectations that I have for myself, which are extremely high, I also can put those on other people. So, and it's just the way that it's just the way our mind works, right? Like you expect people to act like you do. And when they don't, it shifts you because, or it makes you mad or it makes you, it surprises you because they're not you at the end of the day. And that's a really hard thing to, 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 you know, understand. And I have to remind myself of that every day. And I got really good advice um, from one of my best friends, Allie, one time, because I, I'm trying to remember, it's funny now I can't even remember what I was upset with, but basically I, I felt like a friend had wronged me. I felt like whatever he or she, I literally don't remember, but whatever he or she had done um, really, really hurt my feelings just because I think it was something about, I, I had felt left out of something. And I think I, I try my best to make sure no one in my life ever feels left out. Um, I'm the person inviting the random person to the thing that's already planned. Like I always want to make sure people have somewhere to go. And it was a time where, yeah, I'm I'm remembering it a little bit now. It was a time where I felt left out. I felt like I wasn't included in something that I, if the roles were flipped, I like a hundred percent would have done. And I was talking to Allie about it. And I was just like this, I'm really struggling with this. Like, you know, uh, can you believe this person did this to me? Like I'm choosing the low route and just kind of attacking that person. And without, you know, taking any person's name in vain without, you know, feeding into the gossip. Allie was just like, you can't expect people to act or react the way you would. You have to take them as they are and then determine if you want them in your life. And if, because determine if you want them in the life based on if they make you happy or if this is a one-time occurrence or if this is something they do all the time that makes you feel this way. And it's a really simple piece of advice. It's not anything crazy, but it's something that catches me all the time because the first thing I think when somebody hurts me is, well, I would have. And the gag is I didn't, it's not about me. (laughs) It's about what this person did and how it made me feel. Um, And I think it's much harder. It's much easier to say than it is to actually do. But obviously I think addressing whatever's going on with the friend, if they've done something to hurt you is the most important thing. Forgiveness is so hard. I think I'm the kind of person too where, and I don't know if the person that submitted this question is this way or if any of you are, but I almost like, it's almost easier for me to forgive right away. And I say, I've forgiven someone or something. And then like a week or two later, I feel it kind of festering. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I was honest. I don't think I really like forgave that person truly. And I think it's because it's just easy, an easier thing to say than it is to actually do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with taking the time, right? So like, obviously I don't want to be in the situation. It sucks to be in this situation. But now what I try to do is like, if a friend hurts my feelings, I'll be honest on the front end and say, you know what? I don't have forgiveness right now. I just need to like be by myself for a minute or take a break from you. And then I want to come back to you when I really can forgive you so we can grow and move forward. Because I feel like if you don't, it's just this little, like, it's like getting rocks in your shoe where like you can keep walking, but it's going to get more and more uncomfortable and more and more unfamiliar. Like that's exactly what it's like. I feel like in a relationship or a friendship when something is going unaddressed. Um, and obviously you don't want to be that person that's trying to address everything and making a situation out of nothing, but I think that you should take all of your feelings really seriously. And what I do as somebody that's really, really sensitive and very emotional is that when something hurts me, it's something I've matured into. And I'm, I'm really proud that I'm able to do this now. I, I used to 
kind of do more so of a small like lashing out or like, you know, just getting really upset. But now if something really upsets me, I'll go to somebody that I trust that has nothing to do with the situation. And I won't give them the details and I won't exactly say who I'm talking about, but I'll give them the situation and explain how I feel and then get their feedback, which like, I believe like whatever you're feeling, you're feeling and you have justice to feel that. But sometimes having an outside person come in and say like, well, did you think about this? Or yeah, that would really hurt. Like that kind of hurt you in this way. And this is why it might make your feelings feel amplified or it might kind of pull them down a little bit, but it's helped me not only taking the time to ask somebody else and to debrief with somebody else, but also just taking the time to simmer down from that immediate, like knee jerk reaction. Right. Um, I think sharing the specifics of the problem with someone else, getting their feedback, taking it back, but also understanding how you feel. And then with that time, it's taking you to cool off. You can go back to the person that you're struggling with, with a clear mind, your thoughts solidified, you're not easily shaken. It's nothing's going to kind of shift you from how you feel. And you have more of an open mind to what the other person is saying by the simple aspect that time has passed. Um, it's really hard to do. Like I said, I always, I'm quick to talk, obviously. So it's, it's, you know, I really struggle with that, but that's a practice I've been doing that I think has helped a lot. Um, I didn't know, like that was the main question, but like other parts, I think of this, of this message are really important. Like drifting apart from friendship is really, really hard. And sometimes I think it's hard to tell if it's like, are we just like really busy and going through busy parts of our life and we're going to reconnect or like, is this the end? It's always really scary. I think as being a military kid, I moved around a lot and it was really easy for me. And it had to be to like cut friendships off cold Turkey. Like I think when I was in like maybe second or third grade, we, my parents and I, we all found out that we were moving like, around Christmas time one year. And so it was like, I was there for one part of the year at this school and at a different school, the other part of the year. And it's like, looking back now, it's like, yeah, that's the way it is. But at the time it just seemed so like earth shattering. And those were such formative years of my life that like to be in one situation, have all these best friends and these experiences and like my favorite teachers. And then in the next school year to have to readjust, re like perform and like show myself so that I could have friends again and let go of the friends that I was leaving to move across the country from was, you know, I don't remember my specific emotions at the time. So I can't speak to what, you know, little seven or eight-year-old Bria was going through. But I do know now that it's something that I still really struggle with because I had to get on board. Like there was no, I, there was no say, you know what I mean? And, and uh, there shouldn't have been, right? Like I was seven or eight, my parents were, my dad was, you know, doing something that I'm really proud of. And um, you know, that's how my family is when one moves, we move. And so I had to like adjust. And as a kid, my personality was like to also like have friends and be talkative and things like that. So the only way to make that work and to not kind of linger in sadness and be a sh shy person and more recluse was to cut it off. Like you just, I just have to cut off whatever I felt, cut off the sadness, cut off the emotions, readjust and like rebrand myself basically all the time before rebranding was a thing. Um, and it's something that, you know, I dealt with then I don't have to deal with now. Thankfully my life is different. I'm an adult now I get to, to go where I want to go. And my family is always supportive and loving of that. And it's a really, I, I don't think I, I, it's hard to put into words how much I appreciate choice and decision now, like more so than I think 
Um, probably other people do. I think kids that have had to not just kids that have parents in the military, like if you just moved around a lot in those formative years, I think you can tell the difference because like making a decision on an apartment, making a decision on the flowers that I'm going to put in my apartment, making a decision on a job and like moving locations, like is so it's like liberating to me, but there's always that like little piece of me. That's like, okay, time to cut this off and start brand new. It's been something I've had to learn like in my later years, like, okay, when I leave a place, I have to keep up relationships with the people that were in my life because they're my friends. They're people I love. They're, you know, like my family similar to, but I've only had to keep up with my family my whole life. So it's been a really hard thing for me to learn. And, you know, I think I get a lot of anxiety around friendships drifting. Like a thing I've noticed a lot. And I was just talking to one of my friends about this is like, a lot of my, or there's a big section of my friends that are married or engaged and in that stage of life. And it's just different than my stage of life. You know, there's still so much to talk about. I love all of them so much. I love hearing about their lives, but they are in a different stage of life, which makes the flow of connection, the flow of what we can do together, the, you know, intimacy that you have with that person, because now there's a third person there that you've got to loop in and, and work with and enjoy. And, you know, it just makes the whole flow a little bit different. And I think personally, that's where I struggle the most because I'm always like, I hope my friends know how much they love. I love them. I just like, <laughs> I can't do dinner with them and their husband tonight. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just different. And I think that's really hard. And I, I so badly wish I've always wanted me and my friends to all move at the same pace at the same time and get married on like the same day, like <laughs> everything work out. But obviously that's just not the way the world is. And so um, I think I've just be, let myself be more comfortable with the ebb and flow of friendships. And like, instead of like getting anxious and sitting around thinking like, oh my gosh, like I haven't talked to this person in so long. Like, you know, they're, they probably think I don't care about them anymore. Or I'm probably not going to be like one of their best friends anymore. Instead of that, the minute that person comes into my mind, I just send a text and say like, I love you so much. And I'm thinking about you. And it's always met with that same energy. Right. And I've like, I'm able to sleep better at night, but I'm also like, keep just keep, it's like, I think the scariest part is keeping up the connection, but that also holds you from keeping up the connection because you're kind of like paralyzed by that fear. Um, so I don't have an answer as to how to help friendships, not ebb and flow. I think I've just gotten comfortable with the way of the world and the way that things shift. Um, while also making sure that I'm not so comfortable that I'm cutting people off, like just comfortable enough so that I don't let it paralyze me is pretty much what I figured out, but I love that topic. I love that question. Um, it's really hard <laughs> to, um, to, to work with friends and to revive friendships when like so much of a friendship in the beginning of it, as so much of any relationship that's not, you know, family and something you're born into is based off of like joy and a lot of happiness, right? Because if you meet somebody and you don't hit it off, you have a really negative experience. It's probably not going to grow. Um, but when you meet someone and it's positive, you're having all these amazing experiences back to back to back, no negative, no bad days. And then there's a bad day or then there's a drifting and it's like, okay, I haven't been here with you before. I don't want to fight with my friends. I don't want to have issues. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a relationship just like any other. And it requires work um, and it requires thought and time. So, so I really love that, that you brought that up and thank you for being open about that. Ooh, this next one's a little bit spicy. Okay. It says, how do you handle your friends dating toxic people? Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's, first off, that's a really good question. I think that's a really scary place to be. 
Um, I think I've been in the situation where I've been dating people where my friends are like, what, like, are you sure? And then I've also been on the flip side of that, where my friends are dating people that I wouldn't have chosen for them and or myself. But I think it, it, it really depends because I think the word toxic is really, really heavy, right? So somebody can like, I don't think someone seems toxic. I think you're either toxic or you're not. But I think what's a little bit more common is people being in relationships and you're just not sure if it's serving them and you're not sure if it's going to empower them and make them the best person that they can be. Kind of like the situation I was explaining um, earlier in the episode. But speaking to that first, I think what I've had to do in situations when I'm on the friendship side is think like, do I not like this person because I wouldn't want to be with them? Or do I not like this person because I don't think they're good for my friend? A lot of times it's the first, like a lot of times it's like, well, I would never date somebody who does this or is like this, or, you know, says this or believes in this, but I I've had to take a step back and be like, but you know what? They're not asking me to marry them. They're not taking me on dates. Like this relationship, while I want to be a formative part on it and I want to empower it and like build these two people up. It's not, I'm not actually in it. You know what I mean? And having to separate myself from like, am I judging this guy who's with my friend by my standards and what I want? Or am I taking into consideration that he's in a relationship with somebody else who I love and care about? What does she want? Like, what is she looking for? Um, and so that's something that I always just try to think about before really doing anything or saying anything. Um, I think that now when it comes to somebody being toxic, I think that's really scary. I can't say that I've been in a situation where my friend has dated someone where I'm like truly scared. And I'm like, no, this is like killing them or breaking them or maybe abusive. So I've never seen that one-on-one, but I know that if I were to, if it was truly toxic, I would have to say something. Right. And it's that risk of like losing that person for a period of time. But I, once again, easier said than done, but like, I think that that shows more love than anything. And if that person happens to choose the toxic person that they're in a relationship over you, it doesn't mean that they're going to come back. It doesn't mean that they, that they're going to change, but you, I think it's not right to be the kind of friend that's like gossiping about who your friends with. Right. And like to be like dragging them and like making fun of them. And that's the only route. I think when you've got all that pent up energy, you're like, all you can do is like, really, you've got to release it somewhere and you're not releasing it to that person. So I just think it makes you a better person and you're helping somebody actually by just going to that person and being like, I don't think you're safe. I think this person is hurting you in these ways. I love you. I'm always going to be here for you, but I can't be like a, an onlooking bystander while something that I don't believe in is going on. But I think you got to be really slow to that. You got to really understand where you're coming from. You've got to be thinking about the specific ways that this person might be hurting your friend. And then you also have to be ready to present the love that you have for them and, and, you know, just letting them know that like, I'm going to be here, whether you choose me or not. Um, and I have to believe that that person will always probably come back to you. Um, so that's, that's really the biggest thing. And I think most importantly, though, it's discerning, like, is it toxicity or is it somebody that you just don't really like? Um, but once again, like trusting your feelings, trusting your emotions and being there for your friends is, is really all you can do because, um, you know, they're going to need you, especially if they are actually in a situation that's not safe or not good, they're going to come back and they're going to need you. But if they don't think 
it, like if they think that you think everything's perfect in their relationship, why would they go to you when it gets kind of crazy or kind of scary? You know what I mean? Like, but if you've come to them and said like, look, this is what I think I'm here for you. I love you, whatever you want to do, but I'm here. If you need me, I'd be more, much more likely to go to a person than like when I need them. Right. So that's what I would say to that, but that's a really hard situation. I'm sorry for anybody that's like going through that on the friendship side. Um, because I know it's so heavy, but I also know that like releasing that energy and those words and that anger, um, you know, to other people, isn't really the way to go. It's just not going to help anything. And it's not building up that other person, nor is it like really helping your character, but I know it's a really tricky line. And so maybe it's like, instead of like doing that, you can like write it out or you can like, you know, think about it in the car, whatever it is that you need to do. But the mission needs to be getting to that person that you love and saying like what you think and, and how you want to be there to help them is what I would say. Um, the next person sent in a topic, just more so generally grieving friendships. Um, that is really hard. That I think falls on the, the opposite end of the first question I talked about is like, what do you do with the ebbs and flows and working with forgiveness? But it's like, what happens when like, sure, there's forgiveness, but like, this person is not going to be able to be in your life anymore. You're not going to be able to be friends with that person anymore. Um, that's happened a few times in my life, like overall, nothing more recently, but um, I think it's just so like, like I was saying, like if your best friend, like I think the idea is soulmate, like everyone's like, okay, your soulmate is one person, right? I think that soulmates, there's a bunch of buckets for that. Like I'll call, I call my best friends, my soulmates truly, because um, they're the ones that are there for the in and out, like, right. Like they're the ones until I find somebody that I'm really going to be with. They're the ones that like, I can call in the middle of the night. They're the ones that are there for my good days and my bad, like all the things that are defined by love come through friendships. Um, and so it, losing that, just like losing a relationship with somebody that you're in a romantic relationship with is so painful and so overwhelming. And I think more people are going through it than they'd like to admit. I think especially like for anybody that's in this like three, four, five years out of school gig where like you're realizing like some friends were just out of, almost out of like habit and because they were there and you kind of stay, take a step back and realize like, okay, here are the friends that make me better and build me up and are always going to be in my life. And here are the friends that just like to like go out with me or just like to do this here and there. I don't think there's anything wrong with either of those groups. Like my favorite author, Jedediah Jenkins, he's been on the podcast, which is so fun. Um, but he, my favorite Instagram caption he's ever had, which actually his next book, I think is going to be focused like basically around his Instagram captions, just because it's some of his best writing. But um, it was like talking about how my friends fall in different categories. Like there, I don't have one best friend. Like some of my friends are great for going out. Some of my friends are great for the morning after. Some of my friends, you know, want to come home and spend time with my family. Some of my friends, you know, are who I work with. And he kind of described his friends as being like a ring of keys. I'll share the um, caption on the Instagram after this episode is posted. But he was just saying how, you know, I don't really know how to define a best friend, but I know that if my friends were to be, you know, put into different keys, I'd have a whole ring of them jingling. And I just love that so much because I don't think it's wrong to have a friend that you just have to have a Friday night dinner with once a month, right? Like, and there's so much to say and it's so fun in the same way that there's the friends where you can just like, like I've done more recently, like just show up to their house because you've got something to say and you just want to hang out. Um, you know, I think it's beautiful to have different layers of that. And I think, losing friendships, losing keys here and there is really difficult and really painful. Um, but 
you know, the folks that are meant to be there will stay in the same way that like the person that you're meant to be with will come or will be there. Um, and it, I don't think it has to be this like negative situation. I think it's like, it, it, it could depend, right? Like did this friendship fade out just because of distance or a change in lifestyle? That's too bad, but like still a lot of love to that person. Was it an argument or like a core disbelief or a core belief that you guys don't agree on? Yeah, that's super hard. That is really difficult. And I think it's, it's hard to just in the same way as to get out of a relationship that's not serving you, but it's hard to say like this friendship is not serving me. It's bringing me down. It's making me angry. So I need to take a step back. And it's like, hopefully you get to step towards that person again. But if not, you know, that's kind of the way that it, that it might be for a period of time. And I think it dabbles into that really thin line of, like I was saying earlier, something I struggle with or that I'm constantly like, like I, I have to put effort into not doing this, but cutting people off is not difficult for me mindset wise. Like it is emotionally and all those other ways, but like I can get pretty upset pretty easily and just be like, all right, you're not in my life anymore. But I've had to really train myself to not be that way and to think like, okay, can this be resolved? What can we, what can we figure out? How can I be honest and say how this hurt me? And then if there's no growth from that, that's really unfortunate and too bad, but at least you put your best foot forward and you tried um, because I think every relationship deserves that fight. And then finally, love this general topic. Um, this does not have to do with friendships. It's called dating as a black woman. Um, and I've spoken about this a little bit. I don't know. I've spoken about this a lot. I love to talk about what it's like to date as a black woman. Um, I think something that me and my best friend Ari, who's who I was talking about earlier, talk about a lot and struggle with a lot. It's just like growing up in predominantly white communities, going to a predominantly white college. Um, it can be as a black woman, it's really easy to think that you are ugly, honestly, that that's a really blunt and, and ugly to use the term again, way to put it, but it's really easy to feel that way. You are like surrounded by all of these beautiful women and, and you think you're beautiful too. You, and you are, you know what I mean? And, and they're consistently affirming that in you. But when it comes time for a date party, when it comes time for dates, when it comes time for, you know, formals, whatever it might be to be consistently looked over for three to four years and maybe asked to something here or there, it'll, it'll shake you a little bit and you don't want it to, but it will, or to not, to not be asked out on a single date when you like all of these guys seem to be so infatuated with you, but like not enough to actually take you to a dinner in public, right? Not enough to like actually be tied to you. It really, really messes with, and I'm not just speaking from my perspective. I've heard this from so many black women um, who are in similar environments and it, it just depends on how, how it was. And I can't speak to what it's like to grow up as a black woman in a predominantly black community the entire time, like to go to a college that's predominantly black, to have those experiences. I didn't have that in that stage of life, but I'm really blessed now to be in a much more diverse community. Um, my boss is black, which I love. Like my, the people I work with are so diverse. Um, I've made a really, a much stronger effort at connecting with the African-American men and women that I'm around. And it's been so beautiful and so fun and, and so liberating, right? Cause it's like, okay, these are the people that like, like there are people that are in my life because of the environment that I was in and they're my best friends and I so appreciate them. And then there's people that I wasn't at the same environment as them, but if I would have been, we would have connected. And so now it's up to me as an adult, like as a grown woman 
to, to make that effort and to be like, I want to be ingrained in the black community here in Atlanta. I want to connect with black women. I want to speak with black women. I want to learn from them. It's, it's so it'll fire you the hell up. You know what I mean? And it, and, and it just reminds me of my beauty a lot because there was never a time for all of us that we weren't beautiful, right? That that's not what it is. There was just a time where we were severely looked over. And I think, and whether you're in that time right now, or you're on the other side of it, or you've never even thought about it, but now you're like, oh, maybe that's why my confidence is a little shaky. Or like, maybe that's why I like, you know, think, think kind of down on myself. It's so, it's so, so, so different once you felt liberated. And I'm not saying that everything changes in one swoop, but I think that where black women can fall into a little tricky space, or at least where I do is that sometimes I used to think like, well, let me just go on more dates with more guys to get that confidence built up. No babes, the boys are not going to build up your confidence. That's not the way it's not their job. It's not their responsibility. Your worth has to come from within. It has to come from you. And men are fickle, like relationships are fickle. Like that's not going to support you for the rest of your life. And you can't go into a relationship, putting that on your partner. Like, Hey, I'm going to depend on you to feel beautiful, to feel confident, to be all these things. Of course you want that person to pour into that and empower that, but you have to be that like, like that, like that, that like that cliche, like you've got to love you before you can love anybody else. And for me, there's, I think there's different tactics to that. For me to love myself more, I like to spend time with black women and really invest in those really good conversations because it makes me feel like I'm not alone. I like to do this podcast because it feeds into my creative spirit. You know what I mean? I like to read. I like to get into the weeds of black femininity and like understand what I'm talking about and understand who I am. I like to do face masks. You know what I mean? Because I like to give myself self-care and like love on myself so that I can be somebody that can be loved on by someone else. Um, but it's hard. And it's like, it's so interesting too. like, as I right now I'm in this really fun phase where I've, I'm going on some dates, it's going good. And it's interesting to date guys from different races and like, see like the, the way that I connect with white men versus the way that I connect with black men. I think I could probably have a whole episode on what it's like to date both of them <laughs> and kind of like what it's like to go on those first dates with them and, and what just feels easier. But something that I've spoken with my black girlfriends about is like, and is like finding someone and it doesn't matter what race they are, but that you're not performing for, right? Because sometimes I feel like I am just trying to be what this guy wants me to be. But then I'm like, no, like I have to be myself and I've got to be with somebody that like, I've got a list that I've made of all the qualities that I want in a man because, you know, write it in it shall be uh, manifesting a little bit there, but you know, one of the first things that I wrote was that, you know, someone that is loving of my skin color and never makes me question my worth and my identity, because I've been in a relationship where my experiences as a black woman and as a black person were questioned and were ridiculed. And were like, when I would say how I felt, I would be told that I was feeling it wrong or like seeing it wrong. And there was nothing I think more detrimental to my mental state than that. Um, and it's even really hard for me to talk about now, but when I was making this list, I was like, I need somebody that is like, that is my number one cheerleader and thinks everything about me is beautiful. And like, 
the color of my skin is like, it's not something that like they look over or they're okay with. It's like one of the main things that they are like, this is, I've got the most beautiful person in the world because of this. You know what I mean? Because it is, and it's who I am and I'm, it's not going to change. And it makes dating a little bit harder. I definitely feel like in the environments that I'm still in, it's like kind of interesting to see, like I, it does just to be really blunt. It does feel like white women get asked out more often and more bluntly. Um, and, and it, it feels like, and I've had an episode on this too, but I feel, and I, I choose to feel this, right. I don't naturally feel this, but instead of feeling looked over and passed over and not beautiful, I feel like I'm being protected by the Lord. And like, he is, you know, standing between me and somebody that might not love me for exactly who I am. And he's protecting me so that when he presents the person that I meant to be with, and when I get to be in that person's arms and with them, I am like perfectly made and in love with myself and like all those little like nips and like chinks on my confidence are healed by the love that I've gotten from my family and my friends and and my creativity. So I like to think of it that way instead. Once again, like, is that true? Honest to God, I have no idea, but I like to think of it that way. And I like to feel like the Lord is protecting me and, and keeping me in his space and keeping me hidden for the person that's worthy to behold me. And I think that he's doing the same for you too. So yeah, that's it. Those are really awesome topics and questions that I got from you all. I love doing this episode. Let me know what you think of it. Do you love it? Do you want to hear something like it again? We can definitely do that. Um, I really love these because I love when an episode flows naturally, like, especially when I have a guest on and we go totally off script, like that's when I know it's going to be a good one. But it's hard to go off script when you're by yourself because you're just kind of vibing. But um, I really like these. I like you feeling connected to the episode. And I've just gotten these really incredible messages from you all from the last episode that have just kept me going. So thank you so much to those of you that have reached out who maybe I haven't talked to in a long time or who I talk to all the time, but we just haven't had a conversation like that yet. Um, I'm always so happy to hear from you and I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you on the next episode. Bye.